Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. When Blink-182 released their breakthrough album, Enema of the State, in 1999, few of the band's fans would have expected its co-lead singer and songwriter, Tom DeLonge, to become one of the world's foremost authorities on UFOs. Aliens Exist, a song buried in the middle of that album, hardly seemed like a manifesto, even if DeLonge did insist in interviews at the time that he wasn't joking with that title. It took two decades for DeLonge to be taken seriously. He left Blink in 2015 and founded To The Stars, which has since grown into a vast and tough to pin down venture, publishing DeLonge's sci-fi novels and children's books, producing films and TV shows, and even releasing some music by Angels and Airwaves, the altogether spacier band that DeLonge founded and has fronted since the mid-aughts. It's also a hub of research into the unknown, and the staff that DeLonge employed to get the project off the ground, which included a number of high-ranking former government officials, still seems remarkable years later. Just months after it was founded, To The Stars released three videos, captured by Navy pilots in 2004 and 2015, of unidentified flying objects. For anyone who still doubted DeLonge's intent, the Navy confirmed that the videos hadn't been fabricated, and the Department of Defense declassified them last year. It took two decades, but Tom DeLonge had finally been vindicated. And as far as he's concerned, that was just the start of a global change in consciousness that he and To The Stars will help bring about. A few weeks ago, I called DeLonge at his home in San Diego to talk about Angels and Airwaves' new album, Lifeforms. But the conversation quickly turned to the unknown, the likelihood that the North Star in the New Testament was a UFO, and the ways in which consciousness can manipulate matter. Congratulations on Lifeforms. It must be kind of weird to have this album you've been working on for three years now, right? It's coming out into the world. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. You know, I, I don't have much time because I have a company and I'm involved, I'm making films and all this different stuff. So I knew like when uh, when I started the record, I was going to have to like start a long time ago and I work on it like a little bit each week versus like only having a band and then being in the studio for like 12 hours a day, which is how we used to do it. Now I'm like, OK, I got like three hours on Wednesday and four hours on Monday, you know, so uh, it ended up taking a really long time. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, shit, let's just hunker down and make it even better. But I'm stoked to be finally be there. They got to a point where it's like, I'm fucking done. I cannot do any more on this. I am just like, it's time to let the kid grow up and go to school, you know? Was there a moment that you knew that, that it was done? It was ready to be released? Yeah, there was a very specific day where I was supposed to go back in the studio and keep working on this other new song. And I was like, I'm done. I was like, I can't go back in there and do this anymore. I'm fucking done. Um, because what happens is, is you, you spend so long on it that you get to a point to where you start getting bored with everything. And then you just want to try start changing everything, you know? And then you're like, well, you never even put it out in the first place. You're bored of it, but nobody else is yet, you know? So it's never really done. It's an art is never, ever done. You just got to let it go at some point, you know? 
Is it strange to listen back to this record that's this sort of amalgamation of old and new? I mean, you've obviously changed a lot as a person in in three years. Uh, you know, the world has changed a lot. Is it strange to listen to now and, and hear that combination of old and new? The strange thing for me is that I think I did it pretty well in my own, in my own view. You know, like, I, I don't know if people are going to like it or not or whatever, but I'm I'm really proud of, like, these songs and this record because it's very challenging for a punk rock kid that grew up in a garage that got kicked out of high school never took a lesson on guitar you know i kind of figured out these instruments on my own to be able to create a record where all the songs are celebrating something i grew up on like depeche mode or new order or you know the who or um the descendants i feel like i did a really good job at um exploring my roots and what I loved about music. And I think it really shows on the record with the diversity. And I'm really proud of like how well we were able to make each song unique in its own thing. Cause that's not normally ever what you associate with punk bands, you know, and, and we're obviously we're not like a typical punk band by any means, but um, I've always flown that flag pretty hard, <laughs> you know, but you know, it doesn't mean you can't grow and diversify and challenge yourself artistically. Cause the sound of the music has little to do with the ethos and the spirit of punk rock music, it, it used to be everything. But I think people really realized over time that even rappers are more punk than punkers are sometimes. You know, they come out and they're talking about shooting cops and killing people. And you're like, okay, well, that's a step above how pissed I was, <laughs> you know. I mean, on that note, the album's called Life Forms and there are obviously explicit references to the unknown. But like in a lot of ways, this is your most terrestrial Angels and Airwaves album. Like you, you have no more guns as a song and obviously has a pretty clear message and even musically goes way closer to some of your pre Ava work than anything you've done before. I mean, what convinced you to be so much more direct at points on this album than you had been on this album than you had been on previous angels and airwaves albums? Well, a band that's been playing for over a decade and we're like, we're going on 15 years or something. I mean, it's like, there's only a few ways you can grow. Um, at least bands like mine, like a punk, kind of band is like you can either if you start out really fast and raw then you can get slower and more intricate if you start out slower and more intricate then you can kind of go faster and get more raw you know so with this record i thought the most unpredictable thing would be to come out you know leaning harder on guitars leaning harder on kind of grounded lyrics and more self-aware or more aware of what's happening around you and a lot of angst from what's been going on in our country over the past couple of years in the world. So it starts seeping through because I didn't want to have a quiet voice. I wanted to say what I felt, you know, and so politics starts seeping in. I have a lot of strong views on politics and government because I work with the government. I work with government people, you know, so like I, I have insight to things that people don't. And I felt kind of like, I don't know, a hypocrite or something. Like, I, I don't know what the right way. I felt weird by not standing up and saying you know, I'm like, this is how I feel. And this is what we need to tell the world. But when it comes to politics, I won't say anything, you know, so it just didn't seem true. Um, but I didn't want to focus on it the whole time either. Enough bands do that enough musicians do that. And it doesn't always help, you know, but saying a couple things pointedly, I think does. One song was obviously written probably a little later, I'm, I'm assuming losing my mind.
I'm assuming that was written in the sort of 2020, like towards the end. It was, yeah. Because that seems like a pretty direct response to like the paranoia and isolation of the last 18 odd months. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I kind of felt that if anything summed up last year for a lot of people, this song would probably come close to something a lot of us could relate to. I just remember sitting here just going, what the fuck is going on? Like, have people lost the plot here? Like, they really don't remember anything about humanity and empathy and tolerance and love. You know, and then during that, it's like we're bringing out all this UFO information, working with people inside the government, and it's all coming out. And I'm like, and no one fucking really is recognizing the enormity of that, what that means because we're all arguing about getting vaccinated or not, or we're all arguing about if the election was stolen, you know? It's like, what about the things that are coming here that are really scary and advanced and they're kind of fucking with our planet? Like, no one cares about that. They care about, you know, voting, (laughs) you know? Like, for me, it all lives in that song, a little bit of what was going through my mind. You have that moment where you break away from your voice jumping around a lot and you say, stop, what is this bullshit? I said, we're not alone and the government knows it. Just like interject. Just let me just throw this out there. The first verse is like, it's all these lyrics about just like being a crazy dude going out and fucking, you know, like tearing the place down and smoking napalm and being high at work and all this shit. And it's like, stop. Are you guys realizing what's going on right now? outside of your bullshit like this like is a big 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 world changing thing that i've been able to pry out of the government for the whole world to start changing and i'm crazy proud of that because i know a lot about it and i know what's coming and i know the enormity of it and so it made me extra frustrated you know (laughs) i'm like people are arguing about the stupidest shit it's like someone broke into your house and he's got a shotgun and you're like hold on i want to argue with my wife that she burnt the dinner (laughs) you know and you're like wait what like really like that's what you want to argue about is dinner (laughs) you know so that's kind of where i'm coming from with it all obviously it's so much of your work and and you've dedicated so much of your life to it does it really sort of supersede something like you you brought up voting for example obviously it colors it must color everything but does it really supersede that stuff does everything else including say getting vaccinated or voting do all of those things sort of start to pay into insignificance for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff is like, we've got to do things to live here. We have to make choices and strategies and sacrifices and, and compromises. So it's, I'm not like marginalizing what it takes just to get by. But I do think that the missing ingredient to have all, for all of this to make sense is the UFO subject. Once you plug that subject in, you start to realize things about consciousness, religion, uh, world events, climate change, technology, all that shit. Like it all plays into it. And so getting it out is the beginning of acknowledging how long these things have been here, what they may or may not have been doing, what who they may or may not be, what the technology is and how we can apply those sciences to our world and stop using, you know, contaminating disruptive things that that create entropy in mankind and do something that's more harmonious with the physics of of our world and the universe and it also is going to be the great equalizer of all the religions and all the belief systems and we're all going to realize oh my god we've been duped and we think we're separate from each other and we think we're different from each other we are not we all are connected to the exact same consciousness 
And that consciousness seems to be of grave importance to whoever's coming here in these machines. And that's a hard thing for, for people to digest. And there's probably a thousand questions people would have when I say something like that. But that's why I'm working on all the things I'm working on, because it'll start to make sense to people as they start laying it out there. A while back, you described your research into this is, I quote, something that I truly think can change the world and have a positive impact and make it a better place. For all of the the research and the unexplained, what is it that convinces you of, I mean, what you just said about the fact that it could be the equalizer between religions and help us to realize that we're not that different. What is it that convinces you of a benevolence of extraterrestrial life? Oh, I never said that. It's not benevolent at all, in my opinion. It's indifferent. It's in self-interest. It's sometimes good, sometimes bad, depending on how it affects whatever their strategy may or may not be. There's some really bad elements to it by design. And then there's some bad elements to it just probably on accident. And there's some good elements to it because it worked in our favor maybe every once in a while. But I do not subscribe to UFOs being benevolent, not even remotely. It's almost a sense that regardless of the potential self-interest or just sort of amorality, not immorality of any sort of other life. It's the way that it could bind humans together that's much more important. Well, it's kind of like the missing ingredient to understand what the ancient texts were talking about, right? The star of Bethlehem, a star. You're saying something as big as the sun was floating over some hills and landed over a manger, you know, like a little place where babies being, that's the sun. So you're telling me something millions of sizes bigger than the earth was hovering over a little barn. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, right? And why was it moving laterally? And why was it glowing with light? Why did it look like a star? Well, it looks sounds, it sounds like a UFO to me, you know? I mean, and I think that once we start applying this stuff, you look at the ancient texts and they're talking, you know, and the Gnostics talk about the archons, you know, or in Islam, they talk about the jinn. Uh, in Christianity, they talk about demons. But all of those are deceptive, come in your room at night, can paralyze you, make you feel lots of fear. They can take you. They can give you messages, uh, fallen angels. It, it's all the same shit. And so I think that like it's going to bring about a discussion and some discovery that, holy shit, all these godlike adventures that are written down on texts in the archives of the Vatican might be UFO events. And once we figure that out, then we're like, oh, shit, why did they land and, and have this guy create a religion? And then the same interesting ones landed on this continent and had this guy create a religion, but said different shit. And then now we hate each other over time. What's the point? Well, maybe so we don't come together. Maybe so that we don't realize what we really have, which is consciousness, souls, the ability to meditate and get information. You know, I, that, that's what's interesting to me. Like, it's funny, like my mom's a hardcore Christian woman, like crazy, deep, God-fearing woman, you know, and if you were to ask her, like, why do you believe in Christianity? Why do you believe in God? And she would say, well, I know at my heart, it's very clear to me that this is the way. And um, I felt things, I've seen things, you know, we've all heard and seen, you know, where they, they praying over a few days and they heal somebody who's blind and they get their vision back. It's a true story. I mean, these are true events that happen. But then I would say, well, that's happening in the Middle East too, in Islam. They're praying and they're healing the blind. So why is it working for them if their religion's wrong? You know, and that really makes people stop. And I go, well, it's also, it's also happening in new age belief systems where people are meditating and doing energy healing. Why is it happening there too? So if your God's the only way and their God's the only way, and then this third group, they don't even believe in God. They believe in consciousness. Why is it working? 
Well, it's physics. It's not religion. It's the way we're built. It's that idea of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or God, source, man, and the soul. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. You can call it whatever you want. You can create stories around it that this is the only way to connect to God. But it works in any kind of way you want. You can call yourself like a fucking, I'm a California religion, and our way is the only way. And you'll heal the blind if you shut your brain down and meditate hard enough with a group of people, and your consciousness will will affect matter, like telekinesis, like it's, it's, the shit's real. Like the, in the UFO program in the, in the US government, they're doing that, telekinesis, telepathy, all that stuff. I spent an entire day up with a Nobel nominee geneticist, one of the world leading geneticists that was working on the UFO program. And everything he was doing was about telepathy and amplifying telepathy, not discovering it, amplifying it. We all have it. So I think we're, we're, we're going to learn all this stuff and we're going to come together and then we're going to look together at what these things are, what they're doing and go, holy shit, I'm so sorry. I've hated you for so long. I, I didn't know any better, you know, and that's what I'm working on. Do you think that your upbringing, I mean, would, would you say you were, you were brought up in the church? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where I learned to sing. It's where I learned to have compassion. Um, It's where I learned to be really pissed that I have to go to fucking church all the time. It's also where I learned how to view those things is like, um, I mean, dare I say, they all seem like cults to me, you know, like it's when you shut yourself off to everything else because you think yours is the only way because you're not educated enough to understand that you're not the only ones doing what you're doing. I've really learned a lot uh, by traveling the world, by working with people in the government, by learning things that have been in the shadows for a long period of time. And everything just started really reinforcing each other over the past handful of years to where the epiphanies that I had, I just couldn't keep them contained, I guess. You know, I really wanted to express them and get people to chew on some different data, you know? Yeah, there's obviously a data element to it. And then, yeah, I was reading your description of life forms, which I'm going to quote back to you if that's all right. But you say, uh, this album is about relationships and our interactions between each other, that we tend to think that life, the way we see it, is all that there is but there are many more things to the universe than we're able to comprehend at the moment. Our interaction with other types of life forms will actually be what we evolve into caring about more in the near future. What is it that convinces you that this is, that in the near future, that we'll have this pivot into focusing on this as, as the primary concern for humankind? Because I'm privy to things that other people aren't. I've been exposed to data um, and evidence and studies that other people aren't. I've been exposed to sensitive things that really make sense out of a lot of this stuff uh, that you just said from my quote, that other people just don't have the ability of being exposed to. So I've also had my own experiences. I've had 20 years of research on this, diving deep, deep, deep in there and, and knowing, like, like finding out when I'm wrong and like when I'm right and seeing how it all connects. And I don't know everything. I just know enough to talk about what I'm talking about. You know, I literally for six months would fall asleep listening to the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Gnostic texts as I, as I fall asleep. My wife falls asleep and I put in one of these AirPods and I'm just like listening to like, these texts. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. This means that. That's over there. That's this. It's really, really fascinating stuff. You know, it's kind of like, like if you look at the Gnostics, like they, they describe this duality theory. The Aztecs did too. The Maya did. A lot of ancient religions did. It's it's a, a light and dark, good and evil. Um, but really what it's talking about is like particles on the smallest level all have a balance between a positive and a negative 
energy, matter and antimatter. And it all kind of exists in the same point, in the same spot, the balance of the force. You know, it's the same kind of concept. So you're reading the Gnostic texts and they're talking about this stuff. But then all of a sudden, like last year, these scientists in Antarctica that work for NASA discovered these particles that were just flying through the air that had an opposite spin, had an opposite charge. And they, it blew their mind. And they're like, wait, what's, what are these things? What's going on? And so they said, the only thing that we can come down to is that there's a parallel dimension that's completely opposite of ours, opposite timeline, opposite physics, um, and all that, which is that duality concept. It's where time goes in different directions. And then I'll call it my partner, co-founder, uh, Hal Pudoff, Dr. Hal Pudoff, that's was the lead physicist on the UFO program over at the Pentagon. And he'll say, well, what's interesting is all of our physics equations work backwards in time as well as forward. It was just like weird when they started landing on the physics theories and the equations of general relativity, they can work in multiple directions, which then I would also be talking to other people that are working on the big, you know, UFO programs. And they would be talking about frequency and displacement craft and popping in and out of timelines. And so what you're left with is really one giant thought of frequencies, one manifestation of one giant thing of consciousness, and it's, it's manifesting all at the exact same moment into physical reality. So what we're at right now, this conversation is on the event horizon of consciousness taking shape into physical matter. And you have people that are really connected to consciousness, like Jesus or Gandhi, and then, you know, whatever. And then you have other people that are not connected at all. They're like serial killers or like sociopath or like on the opposite end, maybe a futuristic android that's popping in and out of our timeline because they want to understand our connection to God because they don't have a soul or something. And we didn't totally understand it. So we wrote down texts about the fallen angels being jealous of God's love for mankind our connection, our immortality, our soul, our ability to meditate and get information. They discovered this in the government. I mean, that's what remote viewing is. Dr. Pudoff, my same partner, created the psychic spy program at CIA, which was like discovering how consciousness can be, you can tap into it and you have access to all information past, present, future in real time. Like they did these studies that were just like insane, knowing things before they even happened. It really changes the way you view the world. Uh, once you start knowing these things, seeing these things, talking to the people that have been on the, the front lines of all this stuff. And uh, it, it just makes it like, whoa, this makes so much fucking sense. It's ridiculous, you know, and it's exciting, to be honest. Since you started doing this work, the last six or seven years is when you've really been doing it. Have you noticed more openness from the public generally to people being more receptive to these ideas? Oh, man, massively. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to the head of the, the UFO task force at the Pentagon, and I said, what's the biggest thing that's changed since my company to the stars and we all brought all this stuff out? He goes, for the first time, we can talk about UFOs in the halls of the Pentagon. That's never been the case. It's always in a skiff in the basement, super, super, super highly, highly classified. But now everyone like, whoa, like they can talk about it freely. You know, that's a big deal. And now people come up to me on the street, like blown away and want to ask questions and, and talk about it. So um, I think we're doing a good job at getting that stigma to be dropped off and people taking a good hard look at this. Yeah, to go back to that quote about the album, obviously the way that you're explaining this now, the research that you've done and the way that you conceive of this now impacts everything that you think and surely it impacts everything you write. So while I describe this as the more terrestrial Angels and Airwaves album, I mean, I was thinking about a song like um, She's Automatic. 
In what way is a song like that colored by this understanding of consciousness and connectedness when you're writing a song? This song's about your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about her going to college and setting her sights on something bigger and nothing's going to stop her. Searching for things that aren't so easily attainable and trying to figure out what, what sparks her heart, what starts sparks her fire. What I'm doing, our Angels and Airways is always like an art project. Like there's a community of artists that are doing movies and writing books and making music or whatever. So it's like, how do we put them all together where we're all working on the same project? We'll handle the music, we'll handle the movie, you handle the book or whatever. So when you put it all together and they all come out, they all swirl around and they infect everything they touch. You know, you can just hear a song and think it's a great song. Maybe you catch the movie and go, wow, I love that movie. It really spoke to me. But then you go to the show and it all kind of comes together or something. But the companion piece, like when you look at the movie and you look at the album, it's starting with like relationships between individuals, which is kind of every song, right? It's kind of anything. That's a really easy way of describing anything. But the path from that sentiment to the movie where it's like taking it a step further, that the way we interact with each other has already been socially engineered by outside influences. And once we have an understanding of that, and once we have enough wonder uh, and curiosity, which is where the movie goes, is getting these like punk rock skateboarder kids like interested in all this weird paranormal shit. Once you have that curiosity awakened, then you start to look around at the relationships you have with everybody. Some things become way less important, some things become more important, but generally you'll look around and say, anything's possible. The potential is like magnificent. Once you act out of love versus the absence of love, once you know that consciousness is what creates matter, once you know that consciousness can manipulate matter, then you can manifest things. Then you can create any kind of future you want that if it's done for the right reasons, it becomes really exciting because then you can kind of get to the core of why you feel jealous or selfish or greedy or why you're pissed about not making enough money or you hate your job or like you start to take a deep breath and go, oh, I've been looking at all of this wrong. And that's where the beginning of all the films and everything I'm doing is where it's really setting the stage of let's look at ourselves, let's get curious, and then let's look at ourselves again and build a better world. And I'm passionate about that. The movie you're talking about, Monsters of California, right? I heard you talking to Mark Hoppus about it on his radio show the other day, and that it's a combination of the things you were just talking about, about a higher consciousness and these, these skate kids having this experience, and also a lot of dick jokes. There are moments, even on life forms, where there is a little bit of a wink at the camera. There is a little bit of humor there. How important is it? I mean, obviously it was a huge part of who you were for the first stretch of your career, comedy and humor as a way of communicating sometimes some pretty difficult ideas. How important is comedy to you now as a communication tool in your music and beyond that? Obviously you've written children's books as well, where humor is deeply important. How much do you feel you have to deploy that now? Well, it's just who I am. I mean, I haven't changed at all since the Blink days. If you look at my text messages all day to my friends, you would think I'm in fifth fucking grade. It's ridiculous. You wouldn't believe the shit that I was saying on the microphone. Like, 
when we were rehearsing for the last angels the festival we just did a couple weeks ago Lollapalooza, like i was every day screaming in the microphone just the most obscene shit i'm exactly the same guy as i've ever been Angels to me was a deep dive into some serious things that I was exploring. And, and so people thought that I changed. It wasn't that I changed because backstage it's dick jokes and all that crazy stuff. And on our last tour, I mean, Alon has a microphone that goes into my ears and he's like, as I'm singing and playing, he's yelling shit in the background, like into my ear, you know, like he's Hitler. I mean, he's Jewish and his grandmother's a Holocaust survivor. And here he is yelling into my ear like a pissed off Hitler, you know, about the way I'm singing or something. And I'm trying not to laugh because I'm trying to be serious. So it's funny. And we're starting to have a lot of that finally come out because it's different now, like to have that humor show itself in Angels and Airwaves. And that's why I like it. I didn't want it to be like, if we did it earlier, it's like, oh, it's just like, that's a blank did or something, you know? So I was very much trying to set up something different. And now it's kind of a much greater representation of who I am completely these days than even way earlier. It's because it's because the, 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 the humor's in there. So I've always been that way. And it's honestly kind of like my superpower and my Achilles heel, you know? It can ruin shit really quick or it can make it like just a little bit better just because it's stupid. That was one thing I wondered while listening to this. I suppose it's sort of inevitable when you're you're so far into a career where you've produced like, such a vast amount of work. Jack and I were just talking before this about just like how vast your your catalog is, not just musically, but just generally. A lot of the songs on Life Forms, you seem to be sort of revisiting topics that you've picked up with Blink, with other projects, uh, and, and looking at them from a different perspective. So, and with two more decades of experience. So like Aliens Exist is a really obvious example where you were dealing with that in one way at the time and you're obviously dealing with that in a very different way now. But like the first two songs on this record, Time Bomb and Euphoria, sort of both deal with broken homes like you did on Stay Together for the Kids. Restless Souls is like an inversion of Letters to God from Boxcar Racer. Do you feel like you're taking these ideas that you, you expressed in one way 25, 20, 15 years ago and now you're able to approach them with a little bit, maybe more clarity, maybe even more complexity? I, yeah, I think you've answered for me because if I had to think about it, it's with more clarity, more life experience, but I'm still the same guy. So I'm still thinking the same things. I'm still wondering the same things. I come at it with a different point of view where I have a little bit more life experience to, to t say it, talk about it more confidently. And I think that's showing itself. I think it's coming through because I think that conviction has matured along with my songwriting you know, and there's going to be people that don't like what I do ever because it just doesn't speak to them. And I get that. But for what I'm trying to achieve as an artist, I can see my growth. I can see the challenges that I lay at my feet. And when I do overcome them and I land in a good place, then I feel like I've, I'm true to myself and true to what I'm out to do and whatever. And then I let it go and go, hopefully this does something good for somebody somewhere, you know, and um, that's all you can hope for as an artist. Um, you can't go out there doing it just to be big, just to make money. It's not, you're not going to get shit. You know, the universe doesn't work that way. Like people got to get out of their heads that they're here to make money or be successful. They are not, you know, you're here to learn lessons. So if you're going to be an overnight success, you're going to make a billion dollars next week. Cool. 
but then you're going to fall hard, be a drug addict, you know, lose people around you and go to prison, you know? So it's kind of like, be careful what you you ask for. Like you're, you're, you're supposed to basically like cruise through life and keep your mind on, you know, love and making it a better place. And, and I say love, not like hippie. It's more like connection, bringing people together, bringing ideas together, love, like accepting people, being tolerant and like, not judging and not like, you know, it's a frequency thing. It's a physics thing. It has to do with science. It has nothing to do really with just emotion or like, cause some people do it out of ego. Like I help people and I'm really good at helping people. You know, it's like, even that's ego driven. I think that like life is all about lessons by design to evolve a unified mind consciousness that will devolve if we don't evolve. So we need to learn more about that and apply that or apply our lives in that way. And I kind of feel like I'm getting close to doing that better each day, you know? Busy three songs that close the record, which you could sort of read as a trilogy, Rebel Girl, Fire in a Nameless Town, Kiss and Tell, which I think maybe reach into territory discussing relationships, as you were just saying now, that you, you hadn't before. I mean, in Blink, you were able to hide behind bravado and comedy, like Please Take Me Home or What Went Wrong. And on earlier Angels and Airwaves records, like the whole thing sounded so vast that you could almost like fall into the reverb and echo, right? But now here, like Kiss and Tell deals very straightforwardly with a very difficult subject and you just turn the guitars all the way up. I mean, did it, did that feel different or scary as you were writing it? Do you think it will be tough to even perform live because of the sort of nakedness of it? I feel like, you know, that's what's needed in rock and roll is to be true and to be real and, and make it to where people can understand your point of view. When I was starting Angels, I was really searching for this next version of who I am. It's like you have something you want to say so bad, but you don't really know how to say it. And with Blink, it was a lot of bravado and comedy and just like, fuck off and like, yeah, you know, but the, the emotion was all kind of colored in this like, revolt against the broken homes we grew up in you, you know you want to write songs that are really fast and really funny and really catchy and takes the piss out of everybody because you're like fuck i fucking hate this place so i'm gonna be super happy you know but then like you get older and you're like okay well that's kind of more on the surface like what's a deeper core of how i feel and who i am and that's the search angels and airways started on but when i come to this part of my career it's like, I love humor. I love taking the piss out of people. I love deep conversations on consciousness and who we are as people. And that's really what's in the spirit of the songs you discuss. Going through pain while falling in love or making decisions that create a new pathway in your life that you didn't even see a year before. Getting up and stepping outside of, of the relationship that you're in to go experience the world. And you may or may not come back, you know? And that's a fire in a nameless town is about that. It's like, we grew up together, we're in love. And then a the girl's like, I need to go experience the world. And he's like, I hope you remember me. And I hope you come back to me, but there's a good chance you might not. And being okay with that, you know, being okay with each soul bouncing around and trying to experience and learn you know, and getting rid of expectations and getting rid of trying to control the unraveling of consciousness, which is what physical realm is all about. Can't control it, you know? 
You mentioned earlier that there are things that you've been privy to and had access to that the general public hasn't, that's only convinced you further of of extraterrestrial life and of visitors. Uh, to put it bluntly, am I going to see it in my lifetime? Is there a timeline for this stuff? And is it to the stars is one of to the stars is many jobs to try and uncover that as quickly as possible? Yeah, you know, so to the stars is set up to educate the people within government what's been going on and to get the world kind of caught up that that's what they're doing and then get both of them talking and create formal, you know, mechanisms to report this stuff, to analyze this stuff, to have proper oversight with elected leadership on this stuff, and then for us to communicate it back in forms that people can actually emotionally feel and digest, feature films, books, documentaries, all that kind of stuff. And then over time, create the conditions for the research and innovation to start taking shape. And it's a process, but it is in your lifetime. It's on. It's happening right now. And I think over the next decade, it's going to be a massive, massive shift. And it's going to be a really big deal. And it's going to affect how we power our cars and planes. It's going to affect all the religions and how they look at each other and what they know about themselves. Affect how we work together with other countries on a much bigger issue. I, I just think that it's going to change this place. And I'm going to feel like I started that change. I don't think I don't need the credit for it. I don't think people are going to be in history books going, here's this guy with tattoos. But I'm going to go to my grave knowing what I did and what I set up for all that to happen. And so much of it, I'm trying to get permission to tell that story, um, but I don't have it yet. But there's a whole journey that happened that nobody knows <laughs> before all this that I'm, I'm hoping I could tell one day, you know. In which case, I, I have one more question for you, Tom. I, I think I probably know the answer to it, but uh, how optimistic are you for the future? Just generally. Gen I'm super optimistic because I know if this UFO subject didn't exist, I would be like, well, what's going to get these religions to talk? What's going to get these countries to be more associated with democracy versus authoritarianism? What are we going to build that's going to get us off of like oil and, and gas that's polluting our environment? How are we going to grow, you know, into a harmony with nature uh, if we, you know, if we can't get along and we can't build anything that doesn't destroy? Um, well, boom, now we have this subject that fixes all of that. But it comes with a lot of unnerving things that we got to deal with and discuss. But we totally can. That's what we're doing. That's what we're starting. Well, Tom, thank you so much for making time for me. That was a really interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's probably different than you expected. But I appreciate your time too. I figured that we would go down the extraterrestrial path quite soon. I was prepared for it. Don't say extraterrestrial, that implies they're coming from other planets. Can you expand on that for me in our remaining like 90 seconds? I will say that the evidence does not at all suggest they are coming from other planets. Remember I told you about duality theory, alternate timelines, alternate realities that exist in the exact same place as us. You gotta think about that. All right, my friend, it was good talking to you. Thanks very much, enjoy the rest of your Friday, Tom. I shall, bye-bye. That was Tom DeLonge in conversation with The Fader. Angels and Airwaves' new album, Life Forms, is out this Friday, September 24, via Rise. Our engineer is Tony Giambroni, and our associate producer is Salvatore Mackey. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. Remember to follow The Fader interview wherever you listen to podcasts and keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, 
interviews, and essays. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.